Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bayside Report. But before we get into tonight's episode, we have a podcast sponsor request. It's for you, Manscaped. Listen, I'm a hairy Slavic fellow. This facial hair and attempted cheek hair, even though I did just shave a bit, it'll be back in a day or two. It's constantly sprouting. And you also have the hair in the underwear continent. That shit is like a grass farm. You should also get a look at my father and how airy he is. He looks like a Middle Eastern style. And I have this nose hair trimmer right here. It was designed by Goodwill. It is garbage. It is trash. Manscaped, I'm calling on you to step up my facial hair and underwear hair maintenance game. Come on. Anyone, listeners of the Bayside Report, if you have any connections at Manscaped, email me, Instagram me, Twitter me, YouTube, Facebook, Snapchat, WhatsApp, or Be Real. I'm on any of those platforms. So reach out and let me know if we can make it happen. Welcome to the Bayside Report. We played Motown Jazz last week. We played 70s. Here's AI Drake. This is not real Drake, everyone. This is a fake Drake. It's pretty fucking wild. It is Sunday night. It is about 6.45. We just watched Victor Hovland win. Break it down, AI Drake. Welcome, everyone. We had to... Alright, that's enough. Oh, wait, hold on. Here comes the weekend. Here comes the weekend. This is AI Weekend. Sunday night. This is how you, you're going to be listening to this tomorrow. And your Monday is going to be fucking tremendous. Whether you're driving to work, the old fucking 80 year old in the Tesla driving like a dumbass, holding up traffic, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. How could you have a bad day starting off like this? Thank you, AI Drake. Thank you, AI Weekend. So apparently someone wrote the lyrics and rapped and sung the lyrics in the cadence and flow of Drake in the weekend, submitted it into an AI voice changer, made a beat, put a Metro tag on it, and there you go. You have a Drake song. That's going to change the future of music probably more than we know, and that shit just came out. So imagine that in two years. Anyways, welcome. It's Sunday night. I'm watching USFL. I was watching pickleball earlier. That's the new. That's the new hype. Haven't played. I haven't played since eighth grade. I mean, that was a gym class game way back in the day. You notice behind me if you're watching on good old YouTube, we got the map of the world. This shit's pretty classy. Went to at home on Friday and just spazzed out. Bought a bunch of stuff. You know, the vibe in here was Russian internment camp. It wasn't doing too well, so we had, I had to step it up. You know, now it's getting more of that. It's more of a Zen vibe at its current stature. I, I bought this tree. I have a waterfall coming. We're going to get a little uh, waterfall in here. You know, keep the water running. They say running water is a sign of positivity. And um, fuck, you know, successfulness. It's, it's good. It's good to have running water around. And I, I like water. So it's going to be great. But anyway... Things are great here in Tampa, Florida. There's Mexican flags all over the cars. There's a Ben DeSantis uh, protests. His uh, work 
laws. I'm not really too read up on them, but apparently the DeSantis laws are, if you don't have papers, if you're pretty much an illegal immigrant, they're going to show up to your workplace. This happened a few weeks ago, I believe. They were showing up to workplaces, construction sites, you know, blue collar jobs, jobs where usually illegal immigrants are present and they're checking papers. And a lot of people fled. They're leaving. There's a construction worry about buildings getting put up in time. I don't know. Things are changing here in Florida and everyone's talking shit on TikTok. I see all that. And it is expensive, but I mean, everything's, everyone's going through a crisis everywhere around, you know, California's a mess. I feel like Florida's okay. I think they're kind of overplaying this, this Sanis shit a little too much, whatever. Speaking of politics, Joe Biden took a little tumble and it's never funny when, when an old person falls like the bike thing that, that got swept under the rug so fast. You know, he did, he did have the excuse that it was his foot, but no, nah, it was clearly, you know, he shouldn't be on a bike as Theo Vaughn would say, get that man off that fucking bike. And I agree with him full, fully. So the trip on the stage was different. And we talked about on last episode, how his cognitive decline has intensified since 2020, 2020, he seemed like he had his wits. And even then we were questioning his ability, but compared to now he was, he looked sharp as ever. How is Biden going to debate? How is Biden going to debate? I don't, it's going to be comedy. Trump is going to light him up just with insults and come for his fucking neck. But back to the fall, the Biden fall. It felt, it reminded me when I saw him fall and he like rolled over it, it reminded me of my grandparents. I had a, I had a grand on my dad's side, my grandfather he lived till 99. He had a full life. But, you know, towards the end, it was it was rocky. You know, he had he had the uh, dementia, the Alzheimer's started falling, too. And that like when I saw him fall like that, it brought back that kind of feeling. So you never want to see that. It's just crazy, man. And, and I, I sat here last night and I really just thought he is fucking 80. Is he 80? Yeah. 80 years old insane that's like i said i spent a lot of times in nursing homes growing up with my grandparents and just imagine yeah he's 80 on the dot he'll be 81 in november imagine any of those people running a country it's berserk and not that you know you know the deep state's in charge but we're not we're not going to go into the deep state today we'll save that for another day but you know they have the earpiece in his ear they're they're feeding them lines so, you know, Biden's Biden will be okay. They'll they'll dummy him up a little bit, but he's running out of time. Anyways, moving on from politics. This kid fell off a cruise ship. Well, two people fell off cruise ships. The one wasn't even really a cruise ship. It was like a party boat. It was a pirate ship. It was actually a pirate ship. And I was watching the video footage of it, and I'm going to pull it up the audio for you guys because it's pretty bone chilling. So they're on this sunset cruise in the Bahamas and they're younger. I think this kid was 18 and kid jumps off. It was a dare. He was dared to jump off the sunset cruise, the Bahamas. I believe it left out of somewhere off the East coast of Florida. So we're going to play the audio and just listen to like how bone chilling this shit is. Let's see if this is it. 
Apparently shark infested waters. This kid jumped up. Oh my God. Oh, oh, bye bye. Oh, How crazy is that? Did you hear this? He's like, bye bye. And a boat like that, it was a small boat. It wasn't, cruise ships are massive. They're 10 stories tall. When you jump off a cruise ship, pretty tough chance of you to get noticed unless someone saw you jump off. Say you jump off a cruise ship row, like a carnival boat, which is what we're going to talk about next. Your chances of getting found are significantly less. But this kid, I don't know how the captain wasn't alerted to stop the boat. And it looked like they weren't really moving fast. And he swam, he started swimming to the right and people were screenshotting it on Twitter. And I really couldn't tell it was very blurry, but they were, they, someone's zoomed in a thousand times and screenshot and said, look, there's a shark. That's why he cuts off to the right and starts swimming to the right because apparently there was a shark and they said it was shark infested waters. Scary shit. And I've been on quite a few cruises and that's always a terrifying thought. You never want to fuck around. But I mean, hey, you mix alcohol and rage, anything is possible. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. I think I saw a stat that it was 248 people in, I don't think it was a year. I think it was over a span of at least a few years that had fallen off of cruise ships. And only 40 or 50 of them were recovered successfully and survived. This one guy treaded water for 24 hours. And there was this other video on Twitter. It was of, I think it was just a container ship. They had buckets full of meat, just raw meat. And they were just dumping it off the edge of this boat. And it was the sharks swarming to it. At least 30, at least 40. They're, you're going to get encountered. You're, they're going to smell your ass in that water and come towards you. And if it's a bull shark, a tiger shark, you're fucked. They're going to they're gonna aggress right at your ass. And I was thinking about, we talked about how we were swimming in the bay and on the boat about a few weeks ago. And I'm very surprised. We were floating in the middle of the Tampa Bay, shark-infested bay, and we saw a dorsal, we saw a fin for at least, we were floating there for at least two or three hours. No, no fish encounters, nothing. But you never know what's under you. I get, I get freaked the fuck out. The other one was the carnival ship. The guy jumped off. He was just, they couldn't find him. And like I said, once you're jumping off those big boats, man, you're, you're pretty much gone unless someone fucking sees you. That's probably the scare. That's probably my biggest fear. I I'm, I'm scared of heights. Like on a, on a cruise ship, I'll be terrified looking over that shit at night in the pitch black. That's, that's one of my biggest fears, but to be in that dark water, the ocean, I think the ocean's my second biggest fear. That's a, that's pretty high up there. And that's, you don't want to fuck around the ocean. Never want to fuck around the ocean. Anyways, moving on. I got my hair cut this weekend and I, I have haircut phobia. I don't like my mom cut my hair for 20 years. It was steady, reliable. I knew what I was getting every time. So when you, whenever you're going to a new barber, someone that doesn't know you, there's, there's a lot of nerves in the air. And since I've lived here for about a year and a half, I've had to go through a journey of haircut ups and downs. My first haircut in Tampa was at this place. It was an old school barber shop. 
and it was ran by like an 80 year old dude from Britain. And then he had some chick, not, she was like probably 50. I don't know. You know, a little bit, a little bit older. And then there was some other lady she had, she was probably about in her thirties, but she had her baby there and the baby was in the pen just screaming and crying the whole time. It was, it was a tough scene. So that was the first haircut I went to. It was $13 and this is in 2021. And in Pittsburgh, I used to get fades. You know, I used to do the fade on the side and try and make it look nice. And that's what I asked for here. I knew it was a mistake. This lady, you know, I knew she probably wasn't gonna, she was doing the military fade because there was an air force base right by there. It looked like she put a bull on my head and fucking just cut it. So that happens. I literally have shaved, literally all shaved around my head. No, no fade, nothing, no blending, just, and then just a straight fucking, uh, what's the, what are those in the uh, desert is like the Mesa, you know, the Mesa mountains where it's a flat top. That That's what my hair looked like. That was, that was not good. I went kayaking with my sister later that day. <laughs> the kayak renter, you know, pulled up in a truck was hippie, had fucking cornrows, you know, really didn't give a shit about their appearance. But she even looked at me and was like, damn boy, who fucked your day up? You look horrible. And that was on a Sunday, you know, not many barbershops are open on a Sunday. So I finished kayaking that Sunday at like 4 p.m. And I jolted up to the stadium area of Tampa and I found this place. The only barbershop open on Sunday. And it was a Dominican barbershop ran by this dude from, I think, New York, New Jersey. You know, he had some Dominican barbers in there. So they see me walk in <laughs> and the owner looks at me, he goes, damn, boy. Same question. Who fucked your shit up? Damn, that's bad. I was like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. So my boy fixed me up, got me taken care of. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the best, but he fixed it up. He fixed it up. So I'm like, all right, I found my guy. And we, you know, we had a big moment. It really brought the barbershop together. This little white dude walking in with a jacked up haircut, just trying to get saved. So I went in there, he saved me. I go back there for my next haircut. They fucked it up so bad. (laughs) Fucked it up so bad. And it was a totally different tone. They didn't remember me, but it was a totally different vibe in there. I tried paying with credit card, was gonna tip on the card, their card machine was down. And I, I was pissed because he, I don't, I didn't ask him to do this shit, but he, he put that Dominican line in my hair right here and it, but he fucked it up. It was all squiggly. So I had the squiggly line and it just grew back. This was over a year ago. I got this haircut. This line finally grew into my hair and in, in my head. It took forever. So I, I'd say, I said, nah, I'm not using your ATM paying your surcharge. I'll Venmo you. So I Venmoed him, got the fuck out of there. Went to another barbershop <laughs> to get that shit fixed. It was too there it was too much tension in there to ask them to correct it. And I didn't want to go back. So this other barbershop in South Tampa, they actually did a good job. They had to shave my whole fucking head down and fixed it. And they weren't bad. So I tried booking another time there, but they were booked up. So I was in a fucking rush and I went back. To the first ever original one where I asked the lady for a fade and she fucked it up. But I was just going in there with a different mindset. 
I just went in there and asked for a normal ass haircut. I, I was like, hey, I do this comb over. Just give me the comb over. But I got the 80-year-old dude from Britain, and he was cool as fuck. He did a great job on my hair. He gave me that typical 40-year-old white guy haircut. You know, I assumed my role stepped away from, from the style game, from the Dominican barbers. And it was good. So that was good, and that was in Tampa, but that's far away. So obviously I moved out here, and yesterday I needed a new place. So I went to the Salt Bay of female hair pros. This lady was the Middle Eastern Salt Bay of female haircutters. She was walking around my head and she she had one AirPod in talking on the phone to a I assume a family member in a Middle Eastern Arabic language and she was sniffling. She definitely had some sinuses or a cold going on, maybe some allergies. And she just she's like doing the salt like you know how Salt Bay What's Salt Bay do? Salt Bay does this. He sprinkles the the salt like that. It was like the hairstylist version. She was just talking on the phone. I'm like, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. I have to go. I'm fucked. And then she quit doing that. And she had this guard on. It was like, I was like, she's not even cutting my hair. And she's, she's prancing around my head just doing this Salt Bay style haircutting motion. And then she pulled out the clippers. I was like, all right, maybe maybe she's on to something. And then boom, voila. She's like, here, you're done. Gave me the gave me the mirror. And it's a great, it's a good fucking haircut. She did very good. And it's a little fucked up because I have headphones on, but I am very impressed with the Middle Eastern Salt Bay female bar um hairstylist. I might have to go back. Big summer plan, a lot going on. I'm going to Miami in a few weeks flying good old American Airlines, the company of my father for 40 years. They always take care of you into good old Miami. That's just American Airlines is the fucking spirit leader. And then I'm going to Vegas, going to Vegas for my friend's wedding uh, bachelor party. And that's more of a budget airline airport. That's more of your spirit, Allegiant or Frontier or Southwest. I love flying first class on a budget airline there's nothing better than it flying first class on spirit i'm the king of that shit that's that got my name right all over it you you avoid the anger management sessions going on in the back of the airplane airplanes don't need air marshals they need fucking anger management consultants now more than ever it is getting out of line people standing up the second those wheels hit the ground no regard i've flown a lot the past year probably at least seven or eight, nine times. And every time it's a fucking argument ready to boil out, fist fist ready to get thrown. We need anger management therapists on airplanes. But here's why I like flying first class on budget airlines. A first class budget airline on Spirit or even Frontier or Allegiant, that's comparable to Southwest because it's the bigger seat and you're only paying like, more than to sit in the coach section of spirit and those spirit seats. I'm a little fucking dude. I'm about five, seven, 155 pounds. So you'd think I'd fit snug in those seats, but no, they are not comfortable. I couldn't imagine being six, five, 300 pounds flying spirit coach. It's not going to fucking work. That would be the most uncomfortable flight. And I'm not, I'm not fat shaming. I'm not, not, none of that. I'm just saying if you are that size height and weight, I wouldn't fly spirit at all. I'd be flying Southwest, Delta, American, 
any of the big names. And Southwest is kind of that big name status because they have the nice seats at least. But that cattle car bullshit, forget me. Forget about that shit. I want an assigned seat. I don't want to do this ABC. I have to wake up 24 hours before my flight. It's 5 a.m. I have to wake up and fucking hit the check-in button. Oh, I missed the check-in button. Oh, my internet went out. Oh, the page is frozen. Oh, you checked in too early. You checked in too early, motherfucker. Now you're C40. Story of my life. So give me, uh, yeah, just give me the spirit first class and I'm settled. I went down the channel side the other day, hung out with my sister, all of her good friends. So she's lived here since 2015. And I got to say, man, there's been a lot of change here, Tampa Bay, you know, a lot of new apartments, a lot of people moving here, a lot of people moving away as well. But the one thing I'll say about channel side You've, I've been seeing the same people there since 2015 when I first started coming here. Same people at the bars, restaurants, everywhere. You know, same bartenders. And that's, that's the spirit of a neighborhood. That means the neighborhood doesn't give a fuck about the New Yorkers, the Indian, Pakistani, wealthy, you know, Saudi Arabian people here buying, buying up these wealthy condos. They don't give a fuck. You know, they're sticking to their roots. They're making it work. They're hustling. That's the American fucking spirit, baby. They'll pay that two grand a month to live in a 200 square foot apartment if it means they get to stay in their neighborhood. And I kind of sold out. You know, I moved out of Tampa to, to Pinellas for a cheaper rate for more stuff. And it's all right, but I'm accessible to everywhere. You know, I can get everywhere. But my whole point is about my trip to Channel Side the other night is... When you have these neighborhoods with, you know, community, heart, spirit, togetherness, you see the same fucking folklore characters as well. I was in Channel Side. This had to be 2019, 2018. And I'm sitting at a restaurant with my sister, I think a few of her friends. You know, we're having drinks. I just flew in, you know, having drinks, having dinner, minding my own fucking business, catching up. And I didn't live here at the time. So we're sitting there, we're eating. And this guy comes up to me and my sister tells me, oh, hey, that's meth head Chris. Don't mind him. He's a little crazy. I was like, okay. I would think with a name like that, you know, he might be a little abnormal. So meth head Chris is just hovering around. He's clearly fucked up. I don't know what he's on. You know, he, he kind of just seemed drunk. Meth head Chris comes up to me and just starts going, I got a huge cock. He starts he starts doing this whipping motion. He goes, it's fucking huge. He goes, I'm going to throw it on the table right now. I was like, Jesus Christ. I just landed three hours ago. I'm not, I'm not ready for this. So meth head Chris just, he's tormenting the, the whole restaurant, going around, jumping, bouncing around the tables, yelling at people, screaming at people. And he comes over to me and I'm, I got nachos. I think I had a burger. He starts eating the nachos off my plate. Meth head Chris. I'm like, come on, dude. I, I'm paying for this. This is my dinner. And he then eventually he gets kicked out. So yeah, he's one of those neighborhood folklore characters. So fast forward to yesterday, about five years later, I'm sitting, I'm meeting my sister and her friends. And I'm at the restaurant slash bar underneath, you know, 
getting a flatbread and a Miller Lite. Nothing, nothing serious. And there's this lady next to me and this bald gentleman and Prince is playing. Is it Purple Rain? I think it was Purple Rain by Prince. I don't know what it was. So this guy was a little rowdy the whole first 20 minutes I'm there. So we're about 20 minutes in. My food comes out. I'm eating. And he just starts belting out Purple Rain. Loud as fuck. Loud as fuck. For the whole audience to hear. You know, there was probably like 10 people in the place. The bartenders, the bartenders are heated. But they know him. He's that neighborhood folklore. He's been around. And they know him by first name. They're calling him first name. And it was his birthday. It was Meth Head Chris's birthday. So let him have a let him sing Purple Rain by Prince. But he starts belting out Purple Rain by Prince with his lady friend. But he cashes out and leaves. And I told the bartenders, I was like, yeah, that dude fucking ate food off my plate like five years ago. And like threatened, you know, sexually assaulted me verbally. They're like, yeah, he, he, he's known for eating food off plates. I'm like, I can't believe he's still around. No, like, yeah, we can't believe it either. So that wasn't just another Florida night. You get desensitized to activities like that. Shit like that will just happen to you. I was, we were in another place, an adult bar, and this girl, she had to be seven or eight, is walking around. <laughs> And it's classy. It's not, this isn't a dive bar. It's very classy. It's it, it, a beer's $7 and it's all draft wine bar. This girl's walking around with a Tupperware container trying to sell Snicker bars and Twixes. And I just handed her five bucks because I felt bad. I'm obviously her parents are struggling and sent her into the place to try and collect some cash. And she had a pretty full basket of cash. That's a hustle move right there. And usually, being 2023, 20, you can't really do shit like that anymore. But once again, we're in Florida and certain things like that can slide where children can just go into a bar and solicit and try and make a deal, baby. Trying to sell those candy bars. That was a good time. Movie of the week. We're going to do a little new segment. I, uh, I used to be such a movie geek. Used to watch a lot of movies. And I just haven't lately you know, busy after college, you get into the nine to five, uh, fucking, you know, I don't want to call it a rat race, but essentially, and you fall away, but I'm changing that. I think I'm going to watch a movie every, maybe every Tuesday or Wednesday night, throw on something. So I threw on flight with Denzel Washington because that goes, that bodes well with episodes 25 and 26 of the Bayside Report where Santino Saccone read my senior project. If you haven't heard it yet, go listen. Tremendous episodes and a tremendous story written by yours truly. But I wanted to go back and watch The Influence. And I don't remember the movie being anything like it was. It was ridic- It was one of the worst written movies. So fake. So fake. He. So it starts off. Fuck spoilers. You're going to you can go watch it, but you're going to I'm literally going to summarize it for you. Don't we're not calling this movie of the week. We're calling this movie summary of the week. So the movie starts. He's in a hotel. And the flight attendant, him and the flight attendant, these are all the substances he's consumed within the first five minutes of the movie. So he's on the phone with his divorced wife. They're talking about paying for the kid's private school. So the the flight attendant's up. She's smoking a joint and a cigarette and 
swigging a Miller highlight from last night. Denzel is smoking a cigarette, um, swigging Miller High Life. Excuse me. And he has a bump of Coke and he hits the joint. So that's nicotine, cocaine, alcohol, uh, marijuana. So yeah, it's a pretty good deal of substances before you're getting ready to fly a plane. So they cut to him. You know, he does the coke blast and he's, he's ready to go. He's ready to fly the plane. Going to the um, airport and it's pouring down. It's storming Norman in, in uh, Orlando, I believe. It was a flight from Orlando to Atlanta. So Denzel Washington's going through the airport. He has the aviators on, you know, the whole the whole deal. And they show him walking on the plane. And he's doing the walk around. <laughs> he's doing the plane walk around. And he hits a bump of coke <laughs> underneath, underneath the plane. It's, it's blasphemous. That can never, ever happen in any circumstance. They, everyone's looking out a window. If you're under a plane or on the tarmac, you're being watched by someone. There's someone nosy ass in the fucking airport watching you. And then he goes to run up the stairs and slips on the first stair, like when Joe Biden slipped on Air Force One. And then he regains his footing and runs up. And he's, fu- he's visibly fucked up. He's flirting with the Margaret, the flight attendant talking her up saying come on baby make me some coffee you know Denzel Washington has that swagger so Denzel gets in the cockpit and the co-pilot who was based off the co-pilot of avionics Dennis Matherson same same behavior and this dude's looking at Denzel and Denzel's eyes are fucked up he's he's ripping the oxygen mask he's ripping the fucking oxygen mask and he passes it to the co-pilot and says want to hit obviously denies him so the co-pilot should like right there red flag the co-pilot would call someone and be like yo this dude's fucked up we need to breathalyze him (laughs) so long story short they get ready they uh taxi and take off it's a 45 minute flight so there's no beverage service big big uh big point to remember towards the end so denzel is sleep well no they take off so they're taking off and it's the turbulence is severe severe and you could just you know you could whip through it and eventually ride it up but denzel's pushing the throttle hammered hammered the the co-pilot's freaking out turbulence is going nuts he's pushing the throttle like 350 knots trying to push through this storm and he almost fucking fucks the plane up but he eventually pushes through he's the hero he comes out of the cockpit once they clear the bad weather and just starts putting on a little comedy show for the crowd talking about Alabama or no, sorry, Georgia and Florida football, how the storm was comparable to that, but they pushed through. So then it it cuts scenes. And like I said, it's a 45 minute flight. Denzel is passed out. He's literally passed out in the cockpit with his head up like that. And Margaret, the flight attendant, comes in and goes to the co-pilot. He's like, she's like, what the fuck's wrong with him? Like, why is he sleeping? Like, you should wake him up. We're getting ready to land. He's like, you know, the co-pilot's this little dork. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll wake him up. All of a sudden, boom. The fucking plane just goes in a nosedive. All of a sudden, boom, plane in a nosedive. Denzel springs out of his nap. Still hammered. He blew a point, not oh, oh, 0.2, point two, like really fucked up point two. 
springs out. He, he's in action mode. He's in fucking Air Force mode. Flaps speed brakes. Gets the plane out of the dive. Somehow rolls it over upside down. And then flips it back on its side and then crash lands in a, at a church in a field where there's a church. Hits the wing off the church. Six people died. Him? No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> he didn't die. Um, the flight attendant died. The one that he was hooking up with who was smoking the joint before the flight. She passed away. Rest in peace. The other flight attendant passed away. And then four, um, you know, passengers passed away. So he pulled off a remarkable feat. They said they put 10 pilots through the same simulated circumstances and not one of them can land the plane like he did. It all was massive casualties. They couldn't do it. So clearly Denzel Washington, despite being drunk, high on coke, marijuana, was a tremendous pilot. And the proof is in the pudding. So guess what? Now there's consequences. Their lives were lost. And Denzel, they show him waking up in the hospital. You know, he has some minor injuries. He's okay. But his co-pilot is, uh, what's the word? Paralyzed from the waist down. His his, uh, fucking co-pilot can't walk. So Denzel goes ahead and, you know, he's good. But he has a meeting with the pilot's union. And they're like, yo, Denzel. We know the cause of the crash wasn't because of you being fucked up, but toxicology reports came back blood and you were fucked up. You were a point two. You had coke in your system. What's the deal? You know, so they get this lawyer. The lawyer, I'm summarizing, the lawyer essentially puts together this massive case to get Denzel exonerated and it's successful. But Denzel keeps going around getting fucked up, shows up to his ex-wife's house fucked up, you know, absolute menace. So the lawyer fights to get Denzel off. They get the toxicology report wiped. He got an act of God added to the um, reasons of why he was able to pull off such a feat. So Denzel and the pilots union trudged through in the airline. They're trying to save the airline's ass and they're getting ready for the NTSB hearing to seal the deal and exonerate Denzel. So here's where the alcohol service that didn't happen comes into play. There were two alcohol bottles that were open during the flight. There was no beverage service. So no, none of the passengers who have had access who drank the bottles. Trina Marquez, the flight attendant who passed away, who Denzel was hooking up with. They framed her. The pilots union and the lawyers framed her. To get Denzel off, they were going to say it was her who drank it. She obviously can't speak on it because she's dead. So it's perfect story. So the night before the hearing, Denzel is nine days sober from alcohol. You know, he's going along with the pilot's union. He's ready to beat the case. But Denzel starts hearing a knocking on the other door in the hotel where the hearing's going on. And they're sleeping in a hotel. What does Denzel hear? He hears the connecting door when you're in a hotel, the connecting door to the other room. That door was open and it was, the lock was locked, but the door was open. So the lock was banging off the door. So Denzel takes a look in and he's itching. He's Jones and it's 2 a.m. He can't sleep. Denzel sees the mini fridge and takes a peek. Stocked, fully loaded, full of any booze, beer, Liquor, vodka, rum, whatever you want. 
whatever you want. It was in the fridge. So what does Denzel do? He hesitates. He pulls out a Kettle One airplane bottle, uncaps it, sniffs it, sets on the counter. Then there's a slow-mo camera scene. And it just shows the Kettle One bottle zoomed in. And boom, he fucking snatches that bottle. Cut scene. Seven hours later to the morning. Pilots Union's knocking on the door. They even had security to guard his door to make sure he didn't get out and go do anything. Talking to the security guy. What's up, man? Quiet night? Oh, yeah, quiet night. Not a peep. He was sleeping in there. The only thing was room service. Splendid. Let's go beat the case. Nope. Knock, knock, knock. No answer. No answer. No answer. Bust open the door. Denzel Washington. He's a fucking mess. The Rolling Stones is playing. Um, alcohol everywhere. He destroyed the mini fridge. He literally ripped the mini fridge out of the wall and threw it on the ground. What the fuck are you doing? And then his friend, who's played by John Goodman, I forgot this part. When he's in the hospital after the plane crash, John Goodman comes in and brings him alcohol and cigarettes and whatnot. So the pilots union calls John Goodman. Well, they asked him. They're like, Denzel, what the fuck, you moron? You're supposed to stay sober. What What the fuck, dude? How'd you get the alcohol? And he told him, you know, the door was open. He couldn't resist. And they're like, what can we do? We have the hearing in an hour. You're fucked. What can we do to, to boost you back, Denzel? And he goes, cocaine. So they call. that's when they call John Goodman. And there's a montage of John Goodman walking through the hotel with a Rasta bag and the dad sunglasses. So they bring John Goodman into the building and John Goodman busts out the lines, the pilot union and the lawyer, they're watching Denzel and John Goodman rip lines and Denzel's back, baby. Another cut scene walking out of the hotel, the front facing camera, like say the camera facing my way to pilot union, the pilot union rep and the lawyer. And they're walking down to the hearing, baby, ready to ready to beat the case. So they're walking down, hearing starts. And here's the pivotal point. They ask him all the questions. Were you drunk? Were you drinking? Do you have a problem? He says, no, no, no to everything. You're 98% of the way home, baby. Then they bring up a picture of Trina Marquez on the picture, on the screen. And he, they go, Mr. Uh, his name's Whip Whitaker. Mr. Whitaker, would you say that Trina Marquez, is it your opinion that Trina Marquez drank those bottles of liquor? on that flight and Denzel Washington cracks ladies and gentlemen God comes out of him he goes nope she didn't do it it was me crowd erupts cameras flashing pictures going it's fucking crazy Denzel Washington Whip Whitaker is an alcoholic pilot so he starts going on a soliloquy about how he was drunk every day, drunk on the flight, and he goes, and I'm drunk right now. Gasp! Crowd goes nuts. More pictures, more flashing. It was crazy. So the NTSB reporter closes her book, sad face, and walks away. And that was it for Denzel Washington. Then there was another cut scene. He's in jail. He's at, a, he's, uh, at his two-year sober point. I think they only threw him into jail for like eight years, seven years. Not too bad. So he was getting out. And like another four, but he was sitting around a AA circle telling his story. And him and his son had a bad relationship in the movie, but they uh, 
they patch it up at the end. Good old Denzel and his son. Figure it out. So that's the movie uh, summary of the week. Fuck your spoiler alert. That movie's like 11 years old. If you haven't seen it already, maybe go watch it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of the Bayside Report. It is June 4th, Sunday night. You have something to get you through the first 41 minutes of your work day tomorrow. God bless. Positive vibes, positive energy. The Bayside Studio is fucking going to be the zen zone here pretty soon. We got this waterfall coming tonight, baby. I'm fucking excited as ever. Thank you, everyone, for listening, as always, to the Bayside Report. We're approaching 1,000 downloads, something I never thought I'd have. We, I hit 100,000 views on my YouTube channel, The Shorts. So, hey, any accomplishment is, in fact, an accomplishment. God bless. Have a great fucking week. Put your foot down someone's fucking throat that's trying to fuck your shit up. Let's go get ours, baby. Let's go get ours. <laughs>